This episode of AHLA Speaking of Health Law is brought to you by AHLA members and donors like you. For more information, visit AmericanHealthLaw.org. Hello, and welcome back to another installment of AHLA's Health Law Career Journeys podcast series brought to you by the Early Career Professionals Council. I'm your host, Rob Yates, and I'm a healthcare governance and regulatory compliance advisor with Berkeley Research Group. Our goal here with the series is to highlight the breadth of career paths in AHLA's membership and encourage those who are just starting their careers in health law to explore all of the different possibilities that the space has to offer. Our guest today is Samuel Shapiro, and I'm really excited to chat about his experience as an assistant U.S. attorney for the Western District of Texas. Sam, welcome to the podcast. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, could you just explain a little bit about your role as an AUSA and kind of what it looks like on a day-to-day basis? Sure. So I am uh, an assistant U.S. attorney in the civil division, um, and um, my office, as with many other U.S. attorneys' offices, splits its civil division into both the affirmative and defensive side. So either affirmative United States as plaintiff defensive United States as defendant, and I am on the affirmative side. So the vast majority of my work is in the False Claims Act arena. All right. And uh, I know it's different in in every U.S. attorney's office, but is your office one that does um, just healthcare ACE work, or is it also uh, the, the full breadth of representing the United States as a plaintiff? We have the full breadth, and um, though we, you know, most, um, especially key TAM cases where a whistleblower brings us a case around the country are in healthcare, something like seventy five percent, I think. Um, we in San Antonio, especially because we have uh, a large military presence, um, have a good number of procurement fraud cases involving defense contractors or even civilian contractors working with um, the military. Um, So we see a lot of that and a lot of those cases will not even come to us from what we call a direct referral, meaning we get it from the agency, typically an agent who's been working the case up will pass it along to us. Okay. So uh, would you, how, how would you say you probably split your time between the procurement cases and the healthcare fraud? Right now, it's probably 50-50. Um, add to that a good number of, of COVID fraud related cases, particularly with the PPP program. Sure, sure. So how did you, how did you end up as a, an assistant U.S. attorney? Um, I know a lot of people don't don't come right out of law school or get that gig or, or end up with their dream job right out of law school. So, No, it's certainly not one that's um, easy to get right out of school. Um, I would say that for those who are looking to get there as quickly as possible, uh, a direct route is, first of all, doing very well in school and, and getting a clerkship. Um, I did not go this route, but a number of my colleagues were former clerks and, um, you know, were able to go straight to the U.S. Attorney's Office from clerkships or, you know, um, through the DOJ Honors Program, which I highly encourage anybody to to look into. Um, 
that takes place in DC, you know, it's, it's a job that does require a move to DC typically. Um, but it does open many doors once, once you complete the honors program. But, um, no, my path was, um, much less straightforward. Um, Rob and I actually went to the, the same law school, which, um, at Georgia state has a, a fantastic health law program. Um, I did not go into law school expecting to be interested in healthcare law. Um, at the time I was in law school, the affordable care act was all the rage and everybody wanted to know everything about that. And so did I, and got into that in the health law healthcare law program and expected that I would be a healthcare regulatory transactional attorney. That was my goal the entire time I was in law school. Um, out of law school, I worked in-house at McKesson, which was a great job. Um, but doing healthcare uh, regulatory work, um, but realized quickly that, that I wanted to get um, some litigation experience as well. So from there, I, I moved over to a firm that uh, where I started working with a partner who did a lot of false claims at cases, and, and right away I knew that um, that that's what I what I wanted to pursue. So since that time, since about a year out of school after leaving uh, McKesson, I have been working in the false claims act space, both on the defense side and now on the for the government. Awesome! I think that's yeah, that's a really um, it's a different path, certainly, than, than a lot of people take. Um, yeah, you don't hear a lot of uh, transactional to, to litigation attorneys. No, um, no, I, I think that's that's right. It's it's and, and the further along you get in your career, just so younger attorneys know, I mean, that transition does become harder. So but but it is possible to make that switch early on if if you're not happy with um, with what you're doing. It, it's much easier to make that switch within the first few years of practice than it might be later on. That's a really, really good point. I think it's really important early, early in your career to, to try and fail at, at different things than to, to pigeonhole yourself into one thing at, at the start. So I think we've already touched on it a little bit, but do you have any, any advice or uh, sage wisdom for students or early early career professionals who might be interested in a similar career path. Talk to everybody you can. Um, it, the saying that law school doesn't teach you how to practice law is true. Um, it also doesn't teach you about the practice of law. Um, you learn theory, which is great and useful, and you need to know it. Um, but when you get out there you may not even know that certain practice areas even exist. Um, and I certainly did not, was, was not aware of, you know, this sort of niche false claims act practice. I knew about healthcare fraud. I knew about the false claims act. I knew how it related to the anti-kickback statute and how companies needed to um, comply with Stark and anti-kickback and, and um, you know, various other fraud and abuse regulations. And I was interested in that, but, I really didn't even realize for a while that there was this sort of niche um, false claims act defense and, and uh, even uh, an even more niche practice where, um, you know, involving whistleblower attorneys, if you want to be on the plaintiff side of these cases and not work for the government, there is an entire space for that as well that has um, 
blossomed within the last decade, especially, I would say, where, um, you know, there are entire firms dedicated now to representing whistleblowers in False Claims Act cases. A lot of them do other whistleblower uh, cases as well involving STC and, and things of that nature. But um, this one particular statute has, you know, a whole sort of community and, and world built around it. So um, it's been great for me to learn that. Um, but going back to the question, talk to people, find out what they do, um, you know, and do that early. You are, you are never less threatening. And when I say threatening, I mean, no one's going to think you want something when you are a 1L, let's say. They have nothing to offer you when you're a 1L. So when you cold call them to go for lunch, they know it's just to give you advice, not that you're not going to be poking around for a job. They don't have a job to offer you when you're a one else. So you're not, you're not threatening to them in any way or, or, or making them feel uncomfortable about, uh, you know, poking around. Well, sorry, we don't have a job to offer you. Of course they don't. You're a one out. You're just there to learn. Uh, the same is true when you're, you know, a baby attorney. Um, just, Go to lunch with people, talk to people, um, network, join organizations like AHLA. Um, AHLA helped me out a lot when I was uh, a younger attorney in just, uh, I, I wrote articles and was able to get my name out there a little bit. Um, I participated in, in a young lawyers program and met lawyers that way. I attended conferences and, and, sat in on panels discussing things that I had no idea were, you know, that these, again, areas of practice even existed till I sat in, the con in a conference room and listened to people talk about it. So um, you can't know what you're interested in until you know what there is to be interested in. So get out there, meet people, talk about different areas of practice so that you can have a successful career, I think, if you really like what you're doing. You need to know what all the options are. Yeah, I think that's 100% excellent advice. I uh, can't can't tell people, you got to start this early, 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 early. I heard it when I was a 1L and I didn't start it until I was a 3L or first year attorney and it set me back. So definitely start that as early as you can when you're as least threatening as possible and yeah. get up and meet as many people as you can and find out what you don't know. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Sam. I think this has been really helpful for our listeners. And uh, take care. Thanks, Rob. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to AHLA Speaking of Health Law wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more about AHLA and the educational resources available to the health law community, visit AmericanHealthLaw.org.